Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Sisters in Crime. I am your co-host, Sarah, joined by Rach this week. Hey. Kate is out at a baseball game having fun while we're here slaving away on this episode. Um, Rach, what do you have for us this week? I'm going to be telling the story of Oscar Ray Bolin, who kidnapped and murdered three young women in Tampa, Florida. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on Oscar. Um, He was born in Portland, Indiana on January 22nd, 1962. Um, His family was full of laborers and carnival workers whose jobs took them all around the U.S., which meant Oscar never really had like a stable home and um, time to meet friends, which is really, really important when kids are growing up. Oscar's parents were described as physically and mentally abusive towards their children, which seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and it's just a common factor in usually murders, which is sad, but it's not an excuse. Right. So I'm going to start off in the middle of this whole story with Oscar's third victim, Terry Lynn Matthews. On the morning of December 5th, 1986, a fully clothed body was found wrapped in a sheet near railroad tracks in a rural area in Pasco County. Terry was 26 years old at the time. She was stabbed in the neck and chest and was severely beaten over the head. There was an odd discovery. Terry's clothing was wet, but at the time it hadn't rained in several days. I couldn't find anything else on the subject, but I just thought it was odd that they added that into all of the articles I read, but they never elaborated on it. So I just wanted to add that in there for you guys. Was there a body of water near her body? No, it was literally just rural, like, area off the road. Oh, okay. Because I was wondering, like, maybe if there was water around, like, yeah. maybe th- there was the struggle was, like, in the water. Y- you know where I'm going. Yeah. That, so, I mean, I, yeah, that would make sense, but, like, no. Okay. Which is odd. Um, During the autopsy, there was a presence of semen in her vaginal area, but there was no specific evidence that she was sexually abused, which just doesn't really make sense to me. Um, Terry was employed at a bank in Tampa. The night before she was found, she worked until 11 p.m. After she got off work, she went to visit her boyfriend, Gary McClelland, like she usually does. The couple went out to dinner that night and came back to Gary's house. He shares a house with his parents. At this point, it is around 2 a.m., so Terry decided to leave Tampa and head back to Pasco County, where she lived with her mother and stepfather. This drive is around 30 miles, which usually takes her around 30 to 40 minutes. When Terry gets home, she usually calls her boyfriend, Gary, to let him to let him know that she made it safely, but he never got a call. Gary calls Terry's mother, who informed her that Terry hasn't returned home. So how long was it? Like, how long did he wait? Was he like waiting by the phone for, you know, 30, 40 minutes after she left? And then, or did he like wait a few hours? Did any of your research? When I was, it never gave like specific times, but um, like, I'm guessing at least an hour. Okay. So like he was on it. He didn't yeah, wait a while. Like no, he was yeah, on it. And he like, okay. yeah, he didn't just like go to sleep and wake up. Like he stayed up for okay. her call. What a small uh, guy. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, when he hears the news that she didn't 
um, return home, he got into his car and started driving in Pasco County. The whole way, he is trying to find any traces of Terry or her red Honda. Gary wasn't finding any trace until he was passing a post office and noticed a car that looked just like Terry's. He went into the parking lot and noticed the car's lights were still on. He approached the car and saw that there were pieces of mail on the ground next to the car that were addressed to Terry's parents' house. Terry would pick up her, her and her parents' mail on her way home most nights. So, so they had like a P.O. box or something at that yeah. office. Yeah. So she wasn't, didn't just like randomly pull in for no reason. Like she was no. probably going to get her mail on the way home. Yeah. And okay. that's like on most nights, that's usually what she does. Okay. When she gets off work and then she'll go home and get the mail on the way. The police began to look at videotapes and were able to identify a woman who they believed to be Terry at 2.48 a.m. at the post office. The big question for years was what happened to Terry's body between her arrival at the post office and the, the discovery of her body the next day. Of course, the police look at Gary first, which makes sense because he was the last one to see her and he's her boyfriend. But they tested the three semen stains on Terry's slacks and Gary was quickly eliminated as a suspect because he was not a match. The police were at a standstill and were baffled at this case. They had no other leads and weren't sure where to go. So this is his third victim, which means there were women before, but obviously nothing gained traction until this case. Even though yeah. they were baffled by Terry's case, there was some sort, I'm assuming his victims after were kind of similar and like Terry put um, the events like on the radar. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll get into that. Okay, sorry. No, you're good. Um, after four, about four years later in 1990, there was a break in the investigation. A woman named Cheryl Kobe, who was a former Florida woman living in Ohio, opened up some news to her husband. She said her former husband was Oscar Ray Bolin, and he once confessed to her that he killed Terry. Cheryl's second husband quickly contacted authorities, which led them coming to Ohio to this interview with Cheryl led the police to the most important witness in the case, Oscar's half-brother, Philip. Oscar told his wife, Cheryl, at the time that Philip helped him dispose of the body after the killing. Mind you, Philip was 13 in 1986 when this happened. This was huge in the case. It led them to the arrest of Oscar Ray Bolin, who was at this time in, a, in an Ohio prison serving 25 to 75 years because in 1987, Bolin and two other men kidnapped and raped a 20-year-old waitress in Toledo, Ohio. Bolin attempted to kill her with a gun, but the gun jammed. He let the woman go along a highway in Pennsylvania. What? So, so like, he, he was art. He lives, like, why was he in Ohio? Was it because of Cheryl? Um, I don't think so. I read that, like, his parents, like, the states that they, like, were moving to constantly were Florida, Indiana, Ohio. So I don't know why he was there. Maybe he was visiting or had friends there. But he was there for some reason when he lived gotcha. in Florida. Okay. 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 So yeah, he so, was convicted of that. But okay. So, yes. He did that a year later after, you know, Terry. Okay. He killed Terry. The investigation of Terry led to Boland's two other murders in 1986 which took place in Florida's Hillsborough County. On January 25th, 1986, 
25-year-old Blanche Holly was discovered dead in an orange grove. And on November 5th of the same year, Stephanie Collins disappeared after being seen last in a parking lot of a drugstore. Her remains were found near Rural Road about a month later. It was actually the same day that Terry Lynn Matthews' body was found in the neighboring Pasco County. Um, question. So yes. when they found Blanche and Stephanie's bodies, were there similarities to Terry's, such as like the like semen and um, you know, um, similar traits? Yeah, I believed he did. He did rape all of them. It appears, but I don't think he left like enough evidence DNA okay yeah DNA to get caught okay then yeah she was found the same day that Terry was found which is very very odd um so I want to go back to Terry's case for a second and tell you some details that made me want to throw up um Bolin was at the same post office as Terry that night because Bolin was also getting his mail um his like mailbox was only a few feet away from Terry's he was at the hospital visiting his wife, who was Cheryl at the time, earlier that night. She asked him to go check their mail. And why this is so, like, sickening is because the sheet that Terry was in was from that hospital. was found in, yeah. What? So yeah. he took a sheet from the hospital that his sick wife was in? Yeah. They said oh that they, gosh. and she, like Cheryl has been in the um, hospital like multiple times because they said their thing was just like taking gloves and like sheets and like products from the hospital back to the house. And Wait, he, like, so she was in on this? She wasn't in on it. I don't, she didn't, okay. like, she didn't really know, but she's just like, oh yeah, like we'll take them. But he like used, used it on Terry. Do we know why she was in the hospital for on this particular instance? Was no, he, like, trying to poison her? <laughs> no, it didn't go into detail. Okay. Okay. Another thing that really got me was there were tire tracks where Terry's body was found. The tracks had very striking features. It showed that they were made by a large dual-wheel vehicle, such as an automobile wrecker, which has two wheels in the front and four wheels in the back. Um, on December In December of 1986, when this murder happened, Bolin was working as a trainee for a record company in Tampa. Bowen always did assignments with an inexperienced worker, but when a call came in the day of the murder, Bowen begged to take the record out by himself. The owner of the company, Robert Calls, didn't think he was ready, but his wife, Rosemary, convinced him to give Bowen a chance. Robert didn't end up testifying for the prosecutors because he committed suicide in 1991. He had unbearable guilt and believed his actions had connections to the murder to Terry. Robert told his wife, I shouldn't have had that boy working for us over the phone right before he put the gun to his head. Oh, my God. That is so sad. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. I know. Aww. And then lastly, I want to talk about Philip Bolin, who was Oscar's 13-year-old stepbrother at the time. Philip said that his brother woke him up from a deep sleep on the morning of December 5th and told him that he needed to get up because he needed his help. Philip didn't question anything and went outside. He was faced with the most shocking scene. Philip said he heard strange moaning sounds and quickly realized that the person that was wrapped in the sheet on the ground was still alive and was making gurgling noises. So Terry Which was, means, yeah, Terry yeah. was still alive. And when, she was probably like drowning on her own blood or something. Yeah. Because she was like beaten and stabbed. Oh my God. So she was still alive when they just dropped her off. <laughs> 
on the side, like in the in the rural area. Yeah. Oh my god. So Terry's investigation opened up so many things, which led to three murders, and he was convicted to life, like to life in prison on all three counts. But then he he went he appealed three times. Okay. And they said that this guy has nine lives because he literally went through every murder like three times. And he was convicted of murder every single time. He kept on saying that the evidence was, they planted his evidence there. No, no, we didn't. No, they yeah. didn't. <laughs> and, um, and, but like he was literally in prison for 25 to 75 years for almost killing a woman. So he was like already in prison when they were doing this yeah. investigation. Yeah. So then they just tacked on a a different sentence for these murders. Yeah. Which I mean led him to being executed. Right. So I, he was executed in Ohio, correct? Or was he executed down in Florida? He was executed executed in Florida. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I don't think Ohio has the death penalty. No. And Flor Floridians, they definitely believe in that. Yeah. So Oscar Ray Bowen was sentenced to death and was executed on January 7th, 2016. Then um, Bowen's last meal was a ribeye steak, medium rare, a baked potato with butter and sour cream, a salad made of iceberg lettuce, cucumber and tomato, baked garlic bread, lemon meringue pie, and a bottle of Coca-Cola. I feel like um, a lot of last meals are like steak, baked potato. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's like the go-to. Yeah. Um, so, like, I was also looking up videos and, like, watching videos, and I watched his last interview before he got executed, and they were, this woman was asking him, are, are you going to have any last words, blah, 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 and he was like, no, 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 I'm just going to look them in their eyes while I pretty much die, and I want them to be angry that I never gave them, like, any fulfillment or, like, words or, like, confessions that they wanted me to say. He's like, Florida is killing an innocent man. I never did any of this. Oh he, just kept, he just kept on claiming. Like, if you watch every video, he just says, like, the evidence isn't, like, valid. <laughs> like, they set me up. It was planted. Like, like all okay. this stuff. And um, it, it was just, and, like, I just couldn't get over it. Like, it's funny because we've, well, it's not funny, but we've talked about other serial killers who also claim, you know, innocence. And it's like, how how you figure? <laughs> like, you, there were, like, we have all this evidence stacked up against you and like, you're still saying that you're innocent. It's just like, the jig is up, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's time to come clean here. Like, yeah. we, there's no getting out of this one. And he, he just kept on saying, I've been here 20, I've been in here for 28 years. They're doing me a favor by killing me, blah, 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 blah. He's like, but I just want them. He's like, if I do say anything, I'm going to tell them that they need to look at the evidence over because someone's child is still going to be killed. It's still going to be gone when I leave and they didn't get the right person. The parents should look at the evidence again just for themselves and get justice for their child because it's not me. But yeah, at the same time, he says, I'm not giving you guys any justice. <laughs> like, I, I just want you guys to suffer. Like, yeah, you're contradicting yeah. yourself. Yeah. But like, if you listen to that video, it gives you, he, oh my gosh, it like made me sick. He was just so calm and he just like really, I honestly believe that he just told himself every single day for 28 years that he didn't do it and just convinced himself that he didn't. 
I definitely believe that's a thing. If you tell yourself um, enough times that you didn't do something or you did do something, I definitely believe the mind is capable of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was like, I never even saw those girls. I have no idea who's those, like who those girls are. I only got to know them from crime scene pictures. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I don't really think you would get executed because there's absolutely no evidence. <laughs> okay, let's just put the, like, murderers aside, okay? Let's put the three murders that you did aside. Yeah. What about the rape? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the kid, like, Ohio. you literally kidnapped and tried to kill a woman in Toledo, Ohio, but the gun jammed. You, like, so, like, you had intent to kill. Yeah, so even if you were innocent for those three murders where they had all your DNA and semen and everything else, you're still going to be dying for something. Yeah, like... uh, You're not fully, like, a great man. You're not. You're just not. That definitely... The the no emotion thing, I definitely think, is a uh, psychological thing that goes back to his childhood for sure. We see that a lot in serial killers, and it's usually because that... uh, It usually goes back to their childhood. And it's usually yeah. because they, they had a crappy childhood. When you don't have any friends, you don't have a stable house, and you get mm-hmm. mentally and verbally abused by your parents. You don't know what right. love is. Yeah. No. You don't know how you to don't know what compassion people. is. You don't know what anything like that is. You don't know what empathy is. You don't know anything. So it's just like you become this shell of a person. Yeah. Which is sad. It, it, it's sad, honestly. It's sad, but, but it's you got to know right from wrong. It, it's not an excuse. Right. It's not an excuse to rape and kill three people and attempt murder on one. So and rape and rape that person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that is a little mini episode from Rach. We will be back next week. Kate um will be hosting that one. And we will see you all next Thursday. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Send us any recommendations to our email. There's a contact button on our Instagram page for that. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.